Welcome to the Manifestation Bay podcast. My name is Katherine Zinkina, and I'm a manifestation expert, master mindset coach, and multiple seven-figure entrepreneur. I'm obsessed with helping you achieve everything that you once thought was impossible. If you're looking to massively up-level your life, your finances, your relationships, your productivity and success, then you have come to the right place. My goal in this podcast is to help you see the infinite potential within yourself to be, do, and have anything that your heart desires. Think of this podcast as your weekly dose of mindset development to help you maximize who you are and where you're going. Leave it to me to provide you with the tools, the resources, the strategies, and teachings that you need to manifest a reality wilder than your wildest dreams. I know we're about to have so much fun together, so thank you so much for pushing play today, and now let's begin. If you've been wanting to master the art of manifesting money and cultivate a lighter, more enjoyable, more feminine, and dare I say, pleasurable approach to creating more money in your life, look no further because Sovereign Money is about to relaunch in just a couple of days. In fact, it opens up on Monday, May 20th, which is literally just around the corner. And this launch, I am doing something that I've never done before for everyone who gets on the wait list. I am giving you $100 off of your enrollment into Sovereign Money, and I'm opening the doors one day early with that $100 off special. This is only available to those who get on the wait list before Sunday the 19th, and it will expire once we launch to the public on May 20th. Don't wait. You can get on the wait list right now by going to manifestationbabe.com slash SM. That's S as in sovereign, M as in money. Again, that's manifestationbabe.com slash SM for that $100 off of your enrollment into sovereign money. Hello, gorgeous souls, and welcome back to the Manifestation Babe podcast. Today, I have a very special guest by the name of Brittany Harris, who Brittany Harris is someone that is was kind enough to share with me personally in the DMs over this weekend some of her beliefs about the spirituality and wellness industry that must change in order for there to be more diversity and for Black women to feel like they are well represented. Um, again, this conversation started with us in the DMs over the weekend, and I immediately felt inspired and called to ask if I could bring on Brittany onto the podcast so that she can share her ideas and beliefs and insights and action steps that we, especially as white women in this industry and all industries, of course, can take to create better, more diverse, anti-racist world. Brittany, thank you so much for being here on the podcast. Words cannot describe my appreciation for you taking the time to open this dialogue with me. Oh, thank you so much, Catherine, for having me. I'm a huge, huge follower and fan of your work. So I was beyond, beyond, beyond grateful to come on your platform and share um, a conversation that I think definitely needs to be had about the spirituality and wellness industry. So thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Yes. So Brittany, before we dive into some of the topics today, can you just share with us a little bit about what it is that you do and how you got even started in the wellness coaching spirituality industry. Um, what inspired you to take the path that you've currently taken? Yeah. So um, I, by, I guess by education, um, I'm a master's in healthcare administration. 
Um, and while job searching, when I got out of grad school, I um, was approached by an MLM company. Um, and I started as a client just to get results for myself. I was um, not in the healthiest space. And so from there, I got introduced to wellness coaching um, and started strictly focusing on helping people um, get in the best shape of their lives and, and just lose weight, gain weight, all those types of things. Um, and then just out of, um, I guess, impatience uh, for the way that my career was moving in that area, um, I started looking for other things to do. So I got the opportunity to fulfill a lifelong dream of becoming a flight attendant. So I went off and uh, did that for a few years. So awesome. um, I know. So on paper, I am uh, still a professional flight attendant. Um, and I've always had this calling to help people. Um, and I knew being a flight attendant wasn't the end goal. It was just a means to an end. I had been putting on my vision board for years that I wanted to travel the world and all of this. And what better way to do it than for free? So, um, I started that, but I always had this itch to get back into the coaching um, industry. And one of the best things that came out of being a wellness coach was me learning what personal development was and how to get my mindset found and um, just really explore my spirituality with myself and learning about my higher self and all of that. So that created a a good foundation for me. Um, And then a few years ago, I um, went through a really, really rough time and had a really bad depressive uh, episode. And so I was looking for a new therapist and my therapist was also a life coach. Um, so she introduced me to the Life Coach School by Brooke Castillo. And I started digging into that. Um, and so that was in like 2017. Fun and fact. I was like perfect. a light bulb went off. Yeah. I just wanted to share that I'm literally taking the Life Coach School this year. And I love Brooke Castillo as well. I just like, I, I need know. to slap on another certification, like just for shits and giggles. But it's a, such Doesn't, a I mean, I mean, but talking, like even just listening to her and following her work, she it's like, yep, I want to follow that lady because she's going to get my life all the way together. <laughs> um, and, and she did like between her and my therapist, I really, I, I really got to a really, really good place. Um, I was introduced to you at that time through somebody that I followed. They reposted something of yours and I started following your work um, and you really helped me get back into a manifestation space. And back into a space where I believed in spirituality again. I've I've always been a Christian and a churchgoer, um, but my because of my religious background, my relationship with God has been a distance. You know, like He's up there and He talks mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Um, and being a black woman, uh, one of the things in the black community that is a stigma is spirituality and the woo woo. Um, that's because you're not following Christ, and you're, you you can go to church for that. Um, but in that period of starting in 2017, I was able to kind of break away from all of that and really decide what worked for me and what relationship I wanted to have with God, the universe, the divine, whatever you resonate with. Um, and I was able to manifest certain things in my life by following, you know, your practices and listening to your podcast and Brooke and my therapist and my own work. And then I came to a point where I was like, well, if I can do this, I want to help other people do this and finding my voice and what worked for me in my spirituality and in my beliefs, intertwining the fact that I can be a follower of Christ, but still 
be very involved in what's considered the woo-woo world, mm-hmm. um, that I could not not share that with other women. So I had a very divine down, uh, divine given download one night while I was uh, on a layover and Grace and Guidance, which is my life coaching company, came from that. Um, and that's a whole nother story that would probably be another episode of how that came about. <laughs> You shared just a um, little bit. Yeah, so it was on. I, I had just finished um, a super moon intention setting ceremony. Um, I was on a layover, and I like requested a room that was like facing where I knew the moon would be, so I didn't have to go outside and all this <laughs> stuff in the middle of the night. And so I finished everything, and I'm writing my intentions and what I want to release, and like all of that stuff. And I close my notebook, and I lay in the bed to go to sleep, and I just start hearing this like track of what I needed to do. And so I reached for my notebook and just started scribing. And when I woke up the next morning, it said, um, you're going to help women, grace and guidance. And um, what else was on the paper? It was, it was three things. It was, you're going to help women, grace and guidance, and it's all going to happen or something like that. I have it written down like in one of my notebooks hidden away. And I was like, all right, yeah or whatever. And then I went to Bible study like two weeks later. And one of the girls who I'm really good friends with, um, I was sharing something and she just kept staring at me. And I was like, I don't know, do I have something on my face? Like what's wrong? And she came up to me at the end and she said, I didn't want to interrupt you talking, but God kept telling me I needed to speak up. And if I don't tell you this, I'm, I don't know what's going to happen, but God said that you are supposed to help women um, get to where you are and you're going to be on video and you're going to be on TVs and you need to do it. And I was like, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> and then I shared with her what happened when I went to sleep and she was like, well, I don't know what to tell you, but it looks like you're starting a business. And I was like, wow. like I'm starting a business. How long and ago was, was this moment again? That was on no. That was in um, August of. Hang on, let me look in my phone because I have it written down somewhere. I love it. I love that you have all this written down. That's my yeah. Favorite. I like <laughs> write everything down. I got a download this morning that I wrote down, and it makes no sense. But apparently, I'm going back to school. They, they never, <laughs> and so, so people don't get. They think that it has to make logical sense, but it it makes sense when you move on a little bit and then look back. Right? It's yeah. Always, in the future, looking back on the past. <laughs> right. Oh man, where is it? Oh, here it is. Um, so that was on, it first started on January 1st of 2019. Mm-hmm. Amazing. And then February 6th at um, midnight. So it was 1234 in the morning, which if you add the numbers up, it equals seven. Ooh. And the angel number of seven is uh, spiritual awakening and spiritual enlightenment. Yes. Oh my God. That's yeah. so amazing. So that was only like a year ago. Yeah. A year and a half. I had been hearing it for like six months prior and just ignoring, ignoring, ignoring. And then I got slapped in the face in February. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I launched the company on Instagram on 11, 11, 20. Oh, amazing. Wait, 11, yeah. 11, 20. Uh-huh. 
That's November 11, 2020, but that hasn't happened yet. Oh, wait. No, sorry. 11, 11, 19. Got it. Okay. 11, 11, 19. I'm like, wait, that doesn't sound right either. I was like, are we time traveling right now? I'm very <laughs> confused on what year it is. Like, hold on one second. It, did 11, 11, 20 pass? I was so <laughs> um, and, you know, 2020 has been like 12 years long anyway, so probably not impossible. <laughs> seriously. Seriously, though. Well, Brittany, I love, I love hearing your entire story. You know, um, we talked in the DMs. We had a whole discussion, paragraphs written to each other. (laughs) And you were talking about how you got a nudge recently while watching a training from a mentor of both of ours that you're being guided right now to niche even further and to speak and serve to um, a community of millennial black women. Can you speak, you know, you shared some of your like beliefs and stuff and insights that you have and like some of your findings. Do you have any new findings since this nudge? Because you mentioned how um, you have struggled to kind of find if this is even possible because there's so little representation of black women as top leaders um, in the coaching, spirituality industry. And you mentioned how a few limiting beliefs came up for you. And I'm pretty sure that you're not the only one at these limiting beliefs. Like, do you mind sharing what those were and kind of sharing like, um, you know, your experience in working through some of these fears around niching yourself down in your business? Yeah, absolutely. So when I first got into the spirituality, uh, realm and just working for myself, um, out of habit, black women, and, and I believe all people of color, we always look for someone that looks like us. Mm-hmm. Because in our, in your mind that that tells you, okay, I know that a white woman can achieve this because there's thousands of white women that have achieved this, but there's mm-hmm. not very many black women or women of color in this space. So is it really possible for me, a black woman, to fit into that space? Um, and I didn't find very many. So because of my upbringing and and things that have happened in my childhood, I, I look at everybody. And I was in, you know, predominantly white elementary school, middle school, high school, college. So I've, I've always been the one of or the, the few of. Mm. So I didn't mind trying to fit into that space. But there is always that subconscious belief of you are never going to make it this far or mm. that far. So I, when I started the business, I didn't want to completely niche down to just black women because I did not think that it was possible to serve just black women and reach the level of success of someone say like yourself or Gabby Bernstein, um, where I'm on Ted talks and on these huge platforms speaking. And then everything kind of has been happening in society where we've, we've had another, I hate to call them rounds, but it's like they happen in waves, another wave of black men and women being killed by the police. And I had this nudge, like it started, but again, I'm, I'm the one that, that God has to, and the universe has to be like, uh, hello, we're talking to you. Um, and like practically tap me on the shoulder and say, I am speaking to you right there. Yes. yes. You looking at me. Um, I need a million signs before I will say yes. And, um, you and James Wedmore did a, um, a, I think it was three days on um, niche, how to niche down and magnetize your business, that um, class that you guys were offering. And I wanted to take it, but I was like, because I don't want to hear that right now. I, I've already niched down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help women. Like, that's right. enough. I don't need to go any further. 
And then everything started kind of ramping up in our nation. And I was like, okay, I think I'm being spoken to and I need to listen. Um, And I had a conversation with a good friend of mine who helped me with my um, PR and branding and marketing stuff. And I just shot her a text and I was like, I think I'm going to have to, like, I don't have a choice. Um, I had seen a couple other, it's funny how um, the universe will send you what you need to see over and over and over to it. That's, and for me, that's the, Hey, you, I'm talking to you. (laughs) Uh, um, And I had seen like, so many people in the business coaching arena were talking about niching down like all at once. And I was like, what is going on? Like everybody is talking about this, like chill out. No, people are fine where they are. Um, and then I realized that as a black woman, there aren't, there aren't any voices that look like me for me to turn to, to say, I've done this. Now you can do it too. And you teach, which I'm so grateful for, a very, very powerful bridge to your manifestation. And I use that in in myself when I'm looking at the industry as a whole. And I say, well, if they can do it, it might not seem possible for me, but if they can do it, they're creating a path for me. Mm It may not be a direct path, but it's still a path. Um, And that's something very difficult to overcome. I don't think it's singular to this industry. I think, I think it for, for black children and, and um, black people as a whole, it's, it's, it's across the board. It, it was really hard for us to think that we could be president until Barack Obama became president. Right. Um, but right. even still, he's the only one. So right. it's like, well, it's possible for him, but is it possible for me? Right. Because it's one, it's so few and so many. Exactly, exactly. And so trying to overcome that and trying to re- reframe that thought into something that is believable for the subconscious of a Black woman is something that I'm still struggling with. Um, mm-hmm. It's something that I work on and I have to consciously work on when I'm sitting down and I'm writing my my goals. I I, I have it down, which I'm sure most of your listeners of color do, you know, we have it down where we can write it and we can put it on a vision board and you can continue to say it and say it and say it and say it and say it. it. But the part that makes it stick is believing it. Right. And that's where it gets tricky because it's, it's difficult to believe. Yes. All the time. Right. Can you share just, um, do you mind sharing some of the, like the bridging that you have done so far personally and any tips that you can share that have helped you uh, to some degree be able to make that bridge where you are starting to believe that it is possible. And I want to dive obviously much deeper into this on like what we can do in this industry as a whole, especially us white women, how we can help with that. But just like, just for for the women of color listening, um, if you could provide them with some sort of insight or tools that are like tangible that have helped you at least. Yeah. So for me, what has helped is to not, to to find the non-cookie cutter white woman to follow. Mm -hmm. And that would be, for you, that's me. For me, that's you. Um, I Because you're so open and so transparent about your life, I know about your history. I know about how you got to where you are. And it hasn't been a silver spoon. It hasn't been an easy path. And so while our our struggles are different, right, and our struggles are not 
are not equal, you still have had to struggle to get where you are. And so I would, I would strongly encourage any woman of color or black woman that's listening, um, find leaders that are in the industry that you want to be in that have not had it easy. It doesn't, it doesn't negate the fact that they're not a person of color or that they're not a black person, but it does help your subconscious to, to recognize struggle to struggle and difficulty to difficulty. Um, that's been really huge for me um, because it's, it's easy for us to throw our hands up and say, it's not going to happen for me when the person that you're, you're looking to for guidance or for um, the, the footsteps to follow behind has a rich parent or a rich uncle, or, you know, they've come from a life of, of privilege. Um, another thing that has helped me is, is really saying, I might not see it now, and it might take a little bit longer, but it is still possible for me. Um, and my bridges are like not perfect. I'm still working on like how to, how to get that wording right so that it, it clicks in my subconscious. But I don't shy away from trying to figure it out. Um, and I think a lot of, a lot, a lot of people of color, they just give up. Um, I did it in the MLM that I was in. Um, I, I, I just stopped because I was like, this is not working. Um, it's not, and it's, it's not for me. Mm. Um, it's never going to happen for me. It's going to take me twice as long. I can go use my degree and make the same kind of money or have the same kind of success, knowing that it's still going to be the same work. It's still going to be the same struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something about when you're in business for yourself and you're trying to make these big dreams happen, it's a lot easier to give up on that. And so my advice would be just keep going. Um, if you need one thing that I had to do was change how my friends around me spoke, um, my black friends and my friends of color. Uh, I don't allow any of my friends to call themselves broke. I don't allow any of my friends to say I have a, a negative mindset about money. If they do, don't talk to me about it. We, those conversations are off limit. Um, because I, I, I know what my subconscious already believes and what it feeds into. And so once you identify what your subconscious already believes to be true, what it feeds into, it's on you to get that stuff from around you. And if you don't, you're screwing yourself and you have no one to blame at that point but yourself because your friends are going to be your friends and they're going to say what they want to say. But it's up to you to cut the conversation. And I have told girlfriends to shut the fuck up, stop talking. I've walked away. And they get mad at me and they're like, well, you know, we can't talk about that around Brittany. I'm like, you got damn right. Because in my house, this is what we talk about. This is, this is where I'm going. And I, I speak that stuff to myself all the time. I live in Studio City, California, and I live around million dollar homes. And I walk around and I look at every single house that is for sale. And mm. I say, I don't like this about that house. I don't like that about that house, but I love this house. And I like this one and I'm designing the house that I want. I'm, I, I am feeding myself with, regardless of their color at this point, because that's not going to change overnight. Right. We're not going to wake up tomorrow and there's going to be a thousand seven figure business owners that are black in, or a person of color in the spirituality realm. But what I can do is take the nuggets and the, the lessons that I'm learning from the white women that are in that space and apply it to my life so that I can say, 
to myself repeatedly throughout the day, I am going to be up there with them. I am going to be up there with them. I am going to be up there with them. They are going to be my friends. They're going to be my peers. They will be coming to me for advice. And you just have to, have to, have to keep repeating that to yourself. Yes. Oh my God. I love it. I love all the insights that you shared. I wanted to speak on a very obvious gap in the bridge that, of course, we as white women can absolutely do our part with. And we have so much to contribute to this. I mean, it's been so eye-opening. And I was talking to Brittany um, privately before we started recording this, how I, for the longest time, did not understand white privilege. I've heard the term so many times in the last um, couple of years, and I just didn't understand it because I thought what it meant was that the reason, you know, how we apply everything to ourselves. So I gave it meaning mm-hmm. to myself and being like, I just don't get it because I have struggled. I've had, I, I've been through poverty. My parents are immigrants, like so many hardships I have seen personally, you know, I have trauma in my past, all of this crap. And I couldn't accept the fact that like there's so many people out there or just like the belief of or or the concept of white privilege is that I got here just because of the color of my skin. And then finally it clicked for me and I shared this on a um, a podcast right before this one where I was like, oh my God, Brittany, it finally clicked for me where I realized that white privilege isn't saying that white people don't have struggles. White privilege says that the color of your skin was not one of the things that contributed to your struggles. And that's something that black, indigenous, people of color, um, women and men do struggle with. And that's a gap that is contributing to this, you know, belief system around like we can't be at the top. Right. And, um, you know, it's just like, I, I have a question for you. Like, what do you think? Because yeah. I, I, I'm taking lots of action right now, like privately behind the scenes, stuff I'm not even posting on social media because I'm trying to be really careful with like, I don't want to make it seem like, oh, all of a sudden this white girl cares, right? I really want to be the work, not just like talk about the work. And so there's a lot of stuff that right. I'm behind the scenes with my team. Like we just hired a, um, someone who can come onto our team and help us create a more inclusive environment, a more inclusive message, a more inclusive hiring process, like all of these things, as well as switching around where we're donating money for our next couple launches. Um, just like a variety of things. And one of them is also highlighting a lot more, um, Black, Indigenous, and women of color on our platform. And this is something that I am so... To everyone who's listening, I'm so sorry I didn't do this earlier. And this is something I am personally committed to. And I was curious to hear from you, Brittany. Um, what is something that... Like something tangible that that you think we can all do to bring more Black women into the expert position of those who, who teach um, spiritual concepts? Is it simply bringing that diversity to our platforms as white women who have massive platforms and who have benefited from the privilege that gave them that opportunity? Or is it so much deeper than that? What do you think from your perspective? Um, so I think that's a twofold, kind of a two, twofold thing, right? So the first thing is what you're doing, um, which I 1000% applaud, applaud you, applaud you, applaud you on, is bringing awareness to the Black, Indigenous, and people of color faces that are in that space that are not recognized. Um, just by announcing it to your audience, because right now they are the unknowns, right? They, and, and nobody is going, we live in an age where 
no one is really going to listen to the person that only has 200 followers because you're new to this. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to listen to this person that has 150,000 followers or a million followers because they're the expert, even though they look like the person with 200 followers. Um, And that's something that I am working really hard to combat is there's, there's this ugly duckling in, in the community of black communities and people of color that we kind of distrust our own until they've proven themselves or they've gotten the gold stamp of approval from the white community. Mm. Um, So that's something that definitely needs to be dismantled as well. But by the white women in the community sharing these platforms, you're kind of giving your gold stamp to say, no, I trust this person. I believe this person. You should follow this person as well. Um, so I think that is absolutely the first step is, is finding ways to expose these women and men um, that are in this space to your existing communities and really putting your support behind them. Um, things like this, having me on your podcast, having other women of color on your podcast, um, having them write the foreword for a book or something. It, it may seem small, but anything that, that gives they're, what they're saying and what they're doing validity in the white community, because we're in an age where that still does matter. Um, and it's still necessary and needed. I think the deeper portion of that is, is on both sides of the spectrum. So it's on me to get the certifications behind my name that I need that give me the confidence to speak in the spaces that I want to be in. Um, because I can't, come ill-prepared. I, I have to, because I, I'm a Black woman, I have to come overly prepared for mm-hmm. the space that I'm, I'm being welcomed into. Um, one, to prove it to my own people that I deserve to be there and that they should listen to me. And two, to, to prove to the people who don't look like me that I deserve to be there and that I, I deserve the respect and the same monetary gains, the same notoriety, the same uh, publicity, and and popularity. So there's there's that, but that's on me to make sure that I get into the cl- the courses that I need to get into, get the certifications that I feel like I need to. Um, but then it's that to go along with that, it's up to white America to make sure that those spaces are accessible for the people of color mm-hmm. because we can't really afford a $13,000 certification course. I want to take it but yeah. I don't have the funds to do that. And even with the payment plan, it's still not feasible. And that's not to say that we deserve a handout or we deserve a discount or we deserve anything like that. But the industry as a whole has this elevated price ticket, I guess, for lack of better words, of because it's so up here, like, um, and I'm motioning my hands up in the air, but it's up <laughs> in the higher echelons. I keep forgetting on a podcast sometimes. Okay, I do the same thing. I talk so much. Like if people only knew how much I talk with my hands, like during a podcast, like I'm trying it's to show so you guys funny. what I'm talking about. I want you to feel my energy, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's up in the upper echelons and, and it, that's, that's great. But it, this goes back to the education gap, you know, another, another episode within itself of, of why there's so few people that have higher degrees of education, because it's not it's not feasible. Mm-hmm. And no matter how much you want it, like you're either going to sit in debt, which me, that's me, sit in student loan debt, 
so that you can get it to prove that you deserve to be there, mm-hmm. or you try to do all the work without it and get that distrusted the whole way up. So I don't really have an answer for how we bring those things back down to where they're affordable, to where they're accessible, um, without saying you need to give black people a discount or you need to give people of color a discount. Um, because that's not, that's not the answer. We're not, we are not asking for any type of handouts. We are willing to do the work to get where we need to get. But it's very difficult for me to say, come trust me as a life coach when I'm up against 10 white women that have NLP, one master, two, three, four, five. They have all of these certifications behind their name because if, if I, as a consumer, when I'm looking at it, I'm one of those consumers that's like, okay, well, where am I getting the most value for my money? Yeah. And where am I going to get the most benefit and the most, the most precise direction for what I'm trying to do? And sometimes that is with the person that's more certified. So then that leaves out the people of color that are trying to build these seven figure businesses, but we can't get there without the assistance of our white counterparts just leaving a crack in the door. So if that means you launch your program twice a year and one of those, the price is reduced for everybody. Then you open the doors for people to get in. Um, I took several courses during COVID because the price was lowered because it was COVID. Mm. And I had been eyeing for years, but I couldn't afford because I had other priorities that needed to to come first. That is very eye-opening, Brittany. Thank you for sharing that because that's something that I have been thinking a lot about in the last week. You know, I've seen in the past, just um, I've seen it like two or three times now in the last year where people have offered special pricing for uh, marginalized communities. And I was asking my um, team member, my integrator, Londa, yesterday because we hired a consultant to come on. And I, we, we have a million questions for her, of course. She's a woman of color. She's a Black woman. And she'll be helping, helping us create a more inclusive environment internally and externally, not just like the front facing, like, look at us, look at us. This is what we're doing, but like really getting a hard, taking a hard look at like how we run things internally as well. And one of the questions I proposed, I was like, I don't, I really want to know this from a black woman. Um, is that, is that, is that part of the solution and, and, or is that offensive offer special pricing for marginalized communities where you're charging, let's say, white women um, $2,000 for a program, and then you're creating a special pricing, like let's say it's 50% off, like $1,000 for a program. And I'm just speaking for my own programs. I don't know what prices you guys have, but like my, <laughs> my prices are two grand and one grand for now. Um, and so is that like, is, does that help? Is that offensive? Like for some reason, for me, I struggle with this because I'm like, am I saying like, Hey, I don't think that you could ever afford this? Or is that actually helpful? Like, is it actually yeah. helpful to be like, you know what? You have been oppressed for hundreds of years and you deserve as much help and as much of a head start as freaking possible for the next four or 500,000 years. Can you just yeah. shine a, some light just from your own perspective? Like I've never yeah. been able to ask this question and I'm sure yeah. a lot of us white women have right. this question. Right. And I, I think it all comes from the messaging and the intention behind it. Like mm-hmm. you can tell when someone is, is pitying you or putting you in a charity case box. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think as people, you can feel that, right? And and yeah. as a black woman, it's no different. Like you know when somebody is like trying to shade you 
and you can politely say thanks, but no thanks and move, move the hell on. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this. I'm going to say it anyway. Please. I took, I took MBA in April because you offered special pricing and special in ways to installments to be in the program. And I had been dying to take it since 2017. And all I felt was grateful because mm-hmm. it was something that was on my list and on my vision board for, I want to take this because this is going to make my life better. And I think as black people, we have to stop looking at everything as offense, as, as someone is taking pity on us. I, I want to be careful and clear about how I say that. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's not offensive for someone, or I don't find it offensive for someone to offer us something at a lower price because it's something that we've demanded and, and we, and would better our lives. I don't think that that is offensive. I think that that is helpful in the sense that it creates an opportunity for us that we would not have otherwise had. And I equate it to a scholarship program at, in college. You know, you get a scholarship to help you. And some kids, that's the only way that they go to school is because they got a scholarship. And if they don't get a scholarship, right. they don't go to school. Right. And that's how I look at when these programs, especially in the spirituality, wellness, mindset, arena are, are discounted. I look at them as that's an opportunity for me to be able to do something to better my life, to get me to a place where I can then look back and help somebody else. Right. It's not, but if your intention behind it, but that all comes from the intention of the person creating the course, right? If they're coming from a space of, well, you know, black people and poor people, they can't afford this. So let's give them a deal. I'm going to feel that when I look at your messaging, because your messaging is going to say, you feel bad for me, poor little black girl. Let me help you out. Totally. Yeah. Versus the mindset of saying, I know what I charge. I know my worth as a coach. I know my value as a coach, but I also know that there are people that want to take this class that could receive that value, that could receive that help, that might not be there just yet. And maybe my course will help give them the download or the aha moment that they need to come join me and purchase all of my future courses at its regular price. Mm. You never know what that, that, that discount, if you want to say like open and close parentheses, that discount or or whatever. Special pricing, special pricing, promotion. You can name it, whatever, whatever you want. Right. I feel Whatever like, I feel like at night. <laughs> even naming it something more empowering than discount would make, right. would change that. The world of a difference. Right. Because totally. people see the word discount and it's like, well, what do you mean? I don't need a discount. Right. I, I have a well-paying job and it's like, yes, you absolutely do. But is it, is it in your budget and is it in your realm of possibility to add an additional two, three, four thousand dollars to come out of your account right now? Right. You know, and it's, and, and then, then we dip into the space of like, it's not just black people and people of color that are in that space. There are white people that want to take these courses that aren't able to, it's not possible for them at the moment financially. But I think for the the community that we're discussing today and for, for black women and for people of color, I think a lot more women that are in this space that are kind of in the shadows they would be able to come out of that and, and join you all at the table if they had access to some of these classes and certifications yeah. that they don't have access to right now. 
Yeah. And those classes, courses, certifications, programs are actually helping build that bridge. And then now I'm seeing such a different perspective. And I just wanted to thank you for this because I'm just having like, it's amazing. I'm so grateful that you're on this podcast today, um, opening this dialogue with me because now I'm like understanding like, wait a second, we help build a bridge. And then those women go out to impact more women of color, black women, indigenous women. And then that's another way that we can reshape this industry. Right. And it, and it lifts, there was a quote that was circulating the, the internet this weekend that said when black women, and I think you might've reposted it, but when black women yes. make more money, society as a whole is lifted because I don't, I don't think m- most people understand the burden that black women in particular hold on their shoulders. So we're dealing with our own inner, inner work, shadow work, our own racism, uh, like issues, our own microaggressions at work. At, at out in the grocery store, out in the world. And if they're a mother, they're holding that space for their children. Mm. If they have a spouse or a boyfriend or a partner, they're holding space for that. They're holding space for their brothers, their uncles, their cousins. So black women, and this is why I am I am now very confident and clear that this is where I am needed. Um, it's because black women hold a lot on our shoulders and there's there's very few people there to take care of us. Um, but when we rise as a people, our people rise because yes, yes we yield to the man of, of our life for the, you know, um, guidance for our family, but we are right beside that person. And, and a lot of us are single. So we're doing all of this on our own. We hold space for a lot of people and then we have to figure out our own shit right? right? And, right. and how to deal with our own shit. But we're trying to lift a community that isn't always there for us. Mm. And so when you start to elevate the black woman and, and empower her and put her in a space of financial abundance or, or financial freedom and time freedom and mental freedom and just clear space for her, she can pick up everybody that she's holding, which are the, our children, our, our men, our community, our white friends, our friends of color, because at the front line of every single debate, regardless of, you know, orientation, nationality, race, gender, there are black women standing beside everybody. Yeah. And so we push everybody forward and we make everybody be better. So that's why I think it's really important that, that people in this industry, if you want to consider yourself a spiritual coach or a mindset coach or a wellness coach, or you exist in this space, if you're not paying attention to the black women in your community, you're doing a disservice to yourself and the industry. Mm, Because if you want to raise us all, you have to, we have to be included in that conversation. Yes, And, And you have to figure out a way to make space on the side of you for us. That is a massive ripple effect. Wow. Um, incredible, Brittany. Can you, I'm just super curious because you did mention something, a, to, a, a topic that I actually, I don't know what the difference is. Can you just share a little bit about the difference between women of color and black women in the industry? Yeah. So there, there are, I, I won't 
call anybody by name, but there are women of color, um, Indian women, Asian women. And I'm trying to think of my like Instagram feed, like off the top of my head, but there are women who are non, I know. And like, um, so the, the best way that I have found to describe it is non-black women, right? So there are a lot of non-black faces in the industry. And that is amazing. And I applaud that because those women give a glimmer of hope for black women that, okay, if a person of color can do it, if an Asian person can do it, if an Indian American woman can do it, if a Muslim woman can do it, I can, I can do it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there's, there's black, there's black people and the struggle of people of color, just to give you guys a a little bit of frame of reference in this, I'll, I'll speak in this country. Um, people of color, so non-Black people, uh, Native Americans, Hispanic, Latino, Latinx, um, Asian, Pacific Islanders, that, that realm of, of um, ethnicity, they, have a, they receive racism, they receive hate, they receive discrimination, all the same because they're not white. But it's not quite the same as a Black American. So Black Americans were the slaves. We built this country in many, many parts of it, plantations, all of, all of that history. And if you're unaware of that, I I strongly suggest that you, there's a bunch of books Catherine has put up on her podcast that you take a look at just to kind of get an understanding of the differentiation. And in some cases, not all, because we can never group any one race as an all um, thing, but in some cases, there are times where, say, a, a white company, a white-owned company will choose anybody but the Black person. So that might afford an opportunity to an Asian woman or a Latino woman, um, whereas the black, a Black woman is absolutely, hell no, we don't want you. Um, and so in, in this space, there, in this industry, there, there has been a space that has been created for women of color, but not Black faces. And I don't mm-hmm. think it was done intentionally, but it was done. Um, and right. so there are, there are aggressions and, and a sector of racism that is exclusively reserved for black people. Um, the KKK, you know, those type of negative hate field organizations that target straight black people. Um, and then we also receive that from our people of color. Like there, there are certain groups in that, in, in that, um, category that they don't want their children to intermix with black people. They don't want to have anything to do with black people. I've been kicked out of Asian owned stores because I'm black. I've been kicked out of white stores. Um, I've had, you know, Latino women say very nasty things to me um, because I'm a black woman. And it's like, wait a minute, aren't we supposed to be on the same team because we're all not white. So Mm -hmm. aren't we supposed to band together Um, but because the black person in America has just been dropped to the bottom of the totem pole, it's kind of like this scramble of everybody else trying to get distance themselves as far as they can from the bottom. Mm. Um, and I think that's a byproduct of racism because white America has created just this stigma around black people and we've become kind of untouchable. Like nobody wants to touch us. Mm. Um, and that bleeds over into all industries and, and in this industry where we, where it's built on love and light and positivity, we need to be the first to say, 
enough of this. Like we're not going to have this Um, because we're preaching something that we're not necessarily doing. Right. Yes. And um, something I mentioned in my previous podcast slash newsletter, I recorded a podcast with some additional thoughts, but I also read my newsletter that I wrote over the weekend. And one thing I said is, guys, light work and shadow work is one and the same because you are using light to shine into areas that we are so afraid to look into. But until we look into, it's not like it's going to go away. It doesn't go away just because we turn a blind eye. And I think that a huge misconception in the manifestation world is that it's all about turning a blind eye and just like focusing on love and light. And the way, at least how I practice it or how I've started to practice it when I really started to teach it in a way that made sense to me, that was completely in alignment with my values is that no, 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 no. Manifestation is about the creating the world that you want to live in. And that includes you looking at all the injustices in the world and looking at all the things that are not love and light and choosing to bring love and light to those areas. It's not just about, let me focus on the love and light. It's no, how can you be the love and light and bring that love and light to people, to places, to things, to issues that need it the most. That right there is a huge reason, especially if you're white listening to this, like all the books, all the resources that I shared in the newsletter and the previous podcast, do that inner work. See where you still have biases that are preventing you from seeing the racism that's happening every single day. I, as Brittany and I were talking before this episode, like there, she mentioned having an experience at a restaurant and you were with a white friend, right? And she didn't see what Brittany saw because our eyes aren't trained to see it. And so if we can just train our eyes to see it the same way we train our eyes to look for abundance and to look for money and to look for success and to look for all these incredible things that are awesome that I've been talking about for years now on this podcast. Like what if we train our eyes to not be so afraid to look at the injustices so that we can shine a light because people are struggling. People are suffering. There's so much trauma here to uncover. And in order for us to lift up everybody, we have to uplift Black lives. Like I have seen so much about like all lives matter. And I also, again, ridiculous. I've admitted this 10 times already. I'm ridiculously uneducated when it comes to this topic. This is why I'm diving into getting as educated as possible. And it makes complete sense. All lives can't matter unless Black lives matter. It's like saying, like, let's say that we are bringing awareness to breast cancer. That's like Mm -hmm. someone going and being like, but what about uh, brain cancer, right? What about cancer? It's like, yes, they're all important. But right now we're bringing awareness to, um, what did I say? What did I say? Uh, one of the cancers, um, breast cancer. There we go. So right now, there's women with breast cancer that are hurting. And so we're bringing our attention and love and light to that. Um, we're uplifting right. women who have gone through that. And it's the same thing that goes here. Right now, the Black community is extremely hurt. And so it's not, yes, like, yes, all lives do matter, but not until Black lives matter. And right. that's just, it's been such an eye-opening, like, past two weeks for me. And Brittany, I... 
just, I'm so grateful for you being here. I'm so grateful for you sharing this with us. I'm so grateful for you being so open and so transparent. And so just coming into the space with love and compassion for us all in educating ourselves and, and trying to help as best as we possibly can. I'm just curious, do you have, um, like if you were to give us one tip or one word of advice um, to us white women to be the best allies that we can possibly be to black women at this time, what would it be? Oh, um, let's see. One, one piece of advice. Um, or you can give 10. <laughs> uh, 10. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. So I think, um, listening, mm. listening is probably the top on, on my list. Um, and, and not just listening to respond, right? Because right. we have a tendency as people when we're listening to be thinking of what we want to say next. And, and also to highlight what we've done that's in agreement with whatever the person is saying. And if you're having this conversation with someone that you love and trust that is Black, they already know your heart. They already know what you're doing. They've already seen it. They've already seen your post. They know. What you're sitting there having the conversation about is for you to just listen with open ears and an open heart to say, okay, I want to hear about your experiences. Just like we were sharing candidly earlier before, um, before we got on today, just listen because there's a lot that happens that white women and white people in general don't know that happened that your black friends will not tell you about unless you ask or unless they've just had enough. Right. And so if you listen to what they're saying, then go back and think about that. Think about how you may have maybe done some things or maybe seen some things like that. Then go back to the conversation and say, okay, I've processed what you said. Let's talk about how I can help. What action steps can I take? Um, I cannot tell you the amount of times I've had someone that I've known for a while jump in my DMs over the last week and say, tell me what to do. Mm. Tell me. Tell me what I can do. Big mistake. And it's like, it's not on me. There is Google. There is Siri. There are Alexa. Like we have so much freaking, and this goes to anything guys, like anything, like how to build a business, how to do this. There's, we are living in the content overwhelm. And yes, Yes. like I so appreciate you being here because I can get personal experience from you, but I'm not expecting you to educate everyone. Right. Please do not bombard Brittany and her DMS. (laughs) Please do not do that. I'm going to Put that disclaimer out there. Like, give her the space. Go and support her. Go pay her for her work. Go reach out. Like, offer some love and positivity, of course. But like, don't ask questions that can easily be googleable, or especially that you can read in a book that's already been written. Right. And I'm not opposed to to open conversations. Like, I I've seen a couple of my friends have like said that on their social media explicitly, like to their white friends, like, Hey guys, I love you. I know your heart. I know who you are. And I, I am open to conversation. What I'm not open to is schooling you mm, or taking yeah. you back to history class. There's a huge difference between let's talk about what you've read and let me pull out my whiteboard and draw it out for you. Right. Right. And I think that's number one is, is do your own research and then listen listen to the people in your lives. Do not, do not mitigate 
or try to mitigate what they're saying to you because you don't understand it or because you haven't seen it. Just listen. Um, and that opens a door of the conversation because then that allows me as a black woman to kind of relax and say, okay, I can share this with you. I don't know if you know what you just asked for and, and you're probably going to cry and you're probably going to be brokenhearted. You're probably not going to have a very good day after we finish talking, but you have opened a door that I can now kind of lower my guard a little bit because yeah. we go into situations and I, I had somebody challenge this thought and, and I'll take you guys through it really briefly, but I had someone on, on my Facebook that I've known for I don't know, probably 20 plus years. I've known him since middle school. And he came on one of my statuses and said, well, it sounds like you just want to hate all white people. Oh, geez. And I said, so because I'm sharing my experience of when I was 10 or 11 and was called the N-word for the first time, you got out of that, that I hate all white people. Um, Good job on reading comprehension. You definitely paid attention when we were in school, right? So Go back to middle um, school. Go back. Like, go back and just start all over again. Um, but I shared that experience on my Facebook because I wanted my friends that were, that were listening to understand that at a very young age, I was taught to distrust white people. That doesn't mean that I never trust white people, but it means that I approach every interaction with a white person with a guard up, mm. with a, my hand out, and I have to feel you out first because I don't really know how you're going to behave because no, not all white people are like that, but there are more that are than you would believe. Yeah. There are more that are that come up to me and say, can you afford that car? Or how did you afford that car? How do you afford to live in that neighborhood? And it's little things like that, that will completely shut a black person down from sharing their experience. And while you may see it as a harmless question that you might ask, every person in your life, which is inappropriate, by the way, if you do that, but it's very tacky, <laughs> but there are people that, you know, that ask that to everybody, but then there are, there are people that only ask those type of questions to people of color and to black people. And so you have to understand that we come into situations guarded because we're afraid. And because there's an underlying record player going in our mind, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, but there's an underlying record that says, this could go left at any moment. Mm. This could go left. You're not safe. This could be a problem. So to all the coaches out there that are listening and you have Black students, keep in mind that, yes, they're fighting the battle of trying to reprogram whatever you're teaching in your course but they're also trying to shut up that voice in their subconscious. And they may show up happy and professional and love and light. And, and on the surface, they look like nothing is wrong. But we walk out of our door saying a, a prayer of protection over every single person in our lives. We walk out of the door of deathly afraid of the police. We walk out of the door with this, this notion of, am I going to go in a park and try to birdwatch and have the police called on me because I'm black. There's, there, there are little things like that that are constantly running in the subconscious of your black friends and your brown friends for that matter. But your black friends are afraid that that's going to happen. And that's why you'll notice, like, if you've ever met a black person and they're like, hi, they're very nice. They're very polite. It's a great experience. And you walk away and you go, that was a really nice person. Like, they're so fun. They're so this. And then you say, well, let's meet up. And they never initiate meeting up. It's because mm -hmm. they want to see 
are you going to stay the person that I met? Or are you like those other people? Are you just trying to find another black friend so that you can, in moments like this, you can say, but I have a black friend. Right. I have black friends. And so I think, and I think I kind of veered off from where you were steering <laughs> okay. our conversation, but I hope that this helps in just seeing that when you're speaking to your, your black, black friends or, or you're trying to make black friends. And if you don't have black friends, you need to get some, yes. get some quick. Um, because listening is, is step one. And let me try to redirect myself. So listening is step one, right? And then step two would be, like you said, Catherine, really taking the time to look at your own bias, where it may not be something as blatant as calling the police on someone, right? but choosing not to drive in a certain neighborhood because it's only Black people. right? That's a bias. Choosing to cross the street when you see two black men walking together on the sidewalk. That's a bias. Um, Side-eyeing someone because they're in an interracial relationship and you don't approve. That's a bias. Like there are all of these little things that we don't necessarily notice. An even better one, commenting to your black friend that wears her hair in a natural state. Oh my God, your hair is so pretty. How'd you get it like that? Yeah. Turn this way, baby. (laughs) You know, I wet it. And that's my answer is I wet it this morning (laughs) or I washed it. I'll say one of those two. But just little things like that, that they may seem harmless. Yeah. But it's not harmless because I was told by my job that I couldn't wear my hair in my natural state because it's not professional. Oh, so then it becomes a, a, a continuation of this story that may not have been created by the person in front of you. But it's a, it's a story that was created by someone that looks like them. And I don't know you well enough to know your intention behind your question, mm-hmm. no matter how nice you say it. Um, and so that's the two big things that I, I would say are really, really important. Um, the third one is, like you said, do, do your own research. There's so much out there, especially right now, of, of, of where to turn to get the, the basics. Yeah. Right. Because there's a lot of history, there, a lot of history that's not taught Yeah. in our classrooms. And when you start to, there's movies that you can watch. There's, there's, um, there's books that you can read. There's podcasts that you can go to. There's seminars online that you can watch, um, websites and all of this. There's a, there's a plethora of information and, and it's on white America to do that research. And if, if we want anything to change, that has got to, that has got to change. Just the, the, the blissful ignorance of what's, what's happened in this country over the last four or 500 years. Yeah. There's so much history and there's so many layers to this, you guys. This is the start of a conversation. It's definitely not the end. It goes right. so much deeper than this. And for anyone who is feeling like overwhelmed, like, oh my God, I didn't know this about myself. Oh my God, I have so much to look into. Where do I start? Start anywhere. I would suggest, yeah. as you mentioned, number one, listening. Listening's number one. Number two, you know, everything that you mentioned, I would totally is it's like stuff that um I dedicate myself to going to um to listen and to research and to look into things and to really pay attention to what's going on. Like anywhere you start, you guys, is a start and we must all start. And I think that being so paralyzed 
by this like overwhelming world, you know, that's all, always existed. It's always been here. It's always been running in the background and the foreground foreground. And just because we haven't seen it doesn't mean that it hasn't been there. Just starting anywhere is going to create and manifest a better planet for all of us. It's going to manifest a better world for all of us as long as you are just willing to start somewhere. Brittany, this has been such a beautiful conversation. Where can we find out more about you? Where can we go to support you? Where can we go to follow you? Where can we go to um, um, read more about your work and all this incredible stuff? Where do you hang out? Yeah, so I mostly hang out on Instagram. Um, And so you can find me at uh, at Grace, so G-R-A-C-E dot guidance coaching. Um, my email address is the same, just add at Gmail. And that's, that's pretty much where I live. I do want to add one thing, um, or share one, one last thing with your, with, with everybody listening in that I shared with you before, um, the call. So like Catherine said, if you're feeling overwhelmed, um, that's okay. Like lean into that overwhelm and, and just take a breath and acknowledge the fact that you, woke up and you recognize that there's a problem and you want to try to fix it. So give yourself grace. Like I've seen a lot of um, white people beating themselves up like, oh my God, I cannot believe I did not realize that this was going on. I can't believe I'm so mad at myself. And and, And I would encourage you guys to just give yourself grace and say, okay, I didn't see it. I wasn't trained to see it. I, I wasn't looking for it. And that, and I'm sorry. And I'm, I'm going to do better and that's okay. And then you start, but don't, don't come from this place of wanting to tear yourself down because you did not see it because why would you, it didn't affect you, right? It did, but it didn't. And it didn't affect your immediate space and your immediate life. So you didn't see it and that's okay. And, and I forgive you for that. I'm, I'm sure the black community forgives you for that because you're trying to do better. And once you, once you make that commitment to yourself and to the black and brown people in your life that you want to do better, then let it go. And, and that's what you did in the past. And this is what I'm doing moving forward. Mm. So I just wanted to make sure that we ended, or at least we, we, we got that out before we ended because I don't want anybody leaving here today, feeling beat down or yeah. mad on themselves. Um, because that's not, that's not what I'm asking for as a black woman. And I don't think that that is what the black community is asking for. I love that. Thank you for that message. It's like, it's like, you know, based on the premise of like, when you disempower yourself, how are you expected to empower other people? So you have to be in an empowered position and still give yourself the grace and love in order to give grace and love to other people. Um, Brittany, you said your Instagram is at grace dot guidance coaching coaching yeah okay everybody who's listening to this episode take a screenshot and tag Brittany at grace dot guidance coaching and please send her lots of love again don't bombard her for your education <laughs> but a tag is so appreciated and send her yes. as much love as possible because I know it's not an easy conversation but it's such a needed conversation and I feel honored to have you on my podcast today and thank you so much for everything that you do. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And, and, and all gratitude and graciousness goes to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for opening the door for this conversation. And, and I, I know that you have more of these planned so that this is an ongoing thing. And on behalf of the black women that are trying to break into this space, 
I say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, because we're not going to be able to stand next to you if these doors aren't open. So I'm so grateful. And thank you all for listening and for just coming into this with open hearts and open spaces and wanting to change the world. Um, Our kids don't have to live in this world if we do the work now. So to all of you listening, thank you guys so much for all the love that y'all are going to be sending because I'm quite sure I'm about to be overwhelmed (laughs) because your people listen in the best way possible because your people listen, honey. And I am grateful for all of you that are coming my way. I'm planning some amazing content for you guys and I'm just, I'm ready for the ride. So I hope you guys are too. Yay. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode and I will catch you in the next one. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you absolutely loved what you heard today, be sure to share it with me by leaving a review on iTunes so that I can keep the good stuff coming your way. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra inspiration on Instagram by following at manifestationbabe or visiting my website at manifestationbabe.com. I love and adore you so much and can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. In the meantime, go out there and manifest some magic.